you have your Bible, I invite you to open it with me to uh, Matthew's Gospel. We're going to look at some passages there as well as uh, one in uh, Mark and the first chapter of Acts, but we'll start in Matthew this morning. You know, things are kind of settling into a routine now. You know, summer's ending, school's back in session. I'd like to take a moment and uh, just say thank you to and recognize everybody who works in our school system, you know, the different systems here in in our area, whether you're a teacher, administrator, staff, whatever your role. If, you, if you're part of the schools in this area, uh, would you stand for just a moment? Go ahead and stand where you are. Everybody that works in our school, go ahead and stand up. Yeah, come on, stand up. Teachers, everybody. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm, go, go ahead. Don't, don't sit down yet. Don't sit down yet. I want us to pray for you in just a moment um, because we appreciate you and what you do. And, you know, you're, you're in a place where you have a lot of influence and uh, kids come from a lot of different backgrounds and situations, and so thank you for being there to love them and to let them know there's a God. Just through your, the way you love them, let them know there's a God who loves So let me pray for you real quick. Father, I pray your choicest blessings on each of these who are standing. I pray your protection. I pray you give them wisdom. I thank you for their willingness to do work that many times is hard. And I thank you for the positive impact they have. Use them, Father. Use them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Um, you know, our preschool ministry here at the church, and that's, that's not only what happens on Sundays and Wednesdays and at other times, but also our Sunbeams, our day school program that has, I think, about 165 kids in it uh, now. Uh, God's using those, and there are some things that, in the preschool ministry in particular, we want every every child to know. It's kind of foundational, and I uh, took a photograph uh, those are things we want every child to know, you know, that God made them, there's a creator and he created them, and therefore they're unique and they're special, that he loves them, he loves them, he loves them, even if they're not in a situation where there's a lot of people who love them or they're in a great family, that God loves them and that Jesus wants to be their friend forever, wants a relationship with them. And it makes a difference in, in these children's lives as they, they learn that and it begins to shape who they are. Uh, I was tickled uh, uh, to hear about uh, Michael and Elizabeth Baker's little girl, Madeline, who've been in our Sunbeams programs and ministries here at the church, learning those things. And she started kindergarten this year. So she's, you know, she's not here anymore. She's, during the weekday, she's in a, in, a, in a school, kindergarten. And she came home and was talking to Elizabeth, her mom, and wanted to know why the teacher, her teacher at school, didn't talk about God. I mean, she was used to that here, you know, Sunbeams and stuff. So why didn't her teacher talk about God? And did that mean that her teacher didn't love God, didn't love Jesus? Now, if a child asks you that, how would you answer? The truth is, you, you saw all these people standing. There are a lot of people who work in our schools, who drive trucks, who work in banks, uh, who are realtors in every walk of life. There are a lot of people out there, God's people, who love Jesus. There's also a lot of people in all of those areas who don't love Jesus. And do you know that whether you're working in the schools or you're, you're in real estate or whatever your job is, wherever God has you, where you do life, maybe you're a student, you're a college student, a high school student, wherever you do life, you're there as someone who's a disciple, who loves Jesus, and usually you're, you're surrounded by some others who, who, who may love Jesus but others who don't love Jesus, and wherever you are doing life, you are, you are his representative. You are his ambassador. And, and I know that there are certain things you can do and cannot do in different places of employment. I, I get that. But the truth is, Jesus says that each and every one of us, where we are at every moment of life, that's our mission field. 
Now, we're going to have a missions conference next, uh, next spring. We'll have missionaries here from all around the world. And often we think about the mission field. Go over there somewhere, the mission field. Do you know that where you are is your mission field? And you are Jesus' missionary to the people in that place at that moment in time? When Jesus called his disciples, he said, Follow me and I will make you to be what? Fishers of men. That's who we are. We, we spent the whole month of August talking about our real identity as followers of Jesus. Christ is in us. We are in Christ. We're fully, fully forgiven. And, and wherever you go, wherever you do life, every moment, that's who you are. You, you don't give up your discipleship when you, when you go to the office. You don't give up your discipleship when you go to school. You don't give up your discipleship when you're on the sideline at a ball game. You are always 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. And in that moment, in that place, in a very real way, you are his representative to love not only him, but to love the people. And, and that's really what Vision 21 is about. It's not about a building. It's not about some new programs it's really about us as followers of Jesus beginning to really recognize and own who we are as disciples, seeing that the church never does more than we individually and thus collectively do as disciples where we do life. If we want a church to grow, then we have to be missionaries for Jesus where we do life. If we want our Sunday school class to be a great Sunday school class, then we have to be missionaries for Jesus where we do life. The church can't do any of that because the church is me and you and us, and the church only does what you and I individually do because that is the church. It's you and me being his representatives everywhere we are. And if we fulfill Vision 21 that you were talking about in Sunday school this morning, it will be because that over the, over the next three years, we begin to get that, believe that, live that, practice that, do that. And if we do that, then so many things will change. But nothing changes if we individually don't get that and do that. Now, we've been saying, and so let me just remind you before we get to our primary text today, that we exist for these three reasons, to love God, love people, make disciples. And that comes from two passages of Scripture in Matthew's Gospel, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. The Great Commandment in Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus said, Love God how? With your total being. All your heart, all your mind, all your strength, everything. Love God. He said that's the first commandment. Foremost commandment takes precedence over everything else. That's the first thing as a disciple. You are to love God. The second one, love your neighbor, love people, love others. How? The way you love yourself. And he said under these two, everything else hinges, everything hangs. If you get those two right, everything else will be okay. But it's all about loving God and loving people. That's the great commandment. Then the great commission, Matthew 28, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, of all ethnic groups, of all people groups baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe, to do everything that I teach you. So love God, love people, make disciples. Now, here's the thing. All three are to be done. All three go together. You can't love God if you're not learning how to love people. And you really don't love people if you're not making effort at making disciples. And you're probably not going to have very much motivation to make disciples if you're not loving people and loving God. You really can't do one without the other. They go together. 
It's just like one big thing. We love God. We love people. We make disciples. We make disciples. Why? Because we love people and we love God. Why do we love people? Because we love God and God loves us. All of it just, it's, just, it's just together. You, you can't segment these out and say, well, I'm really good at this, but not, not, they go together. And one is always pushing you in the direction of the others. So love God, love people, and make disciples. But for just a moment, let's look a little closer in Matthew 28, in verse 19, when he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, if I had a globe, okay, if I had a globe here of the earth, this whole planet, and I could spin it... You could visual, visualize planet Earth. You say, that's a big place. Lots of people. And Jesus said, go make disciples of people in all those places. I can't do that. That's, that's a big task. Wow, that's a, that's a huge responsibility. I cannot do that. I mean, how, how am I individually supposed to change things in other parts of the world? How am I as an individual supposed to to, to Take the gospel to people in Tanzania or Afghanistan or Libya or anywhere else on this planet. How, how am I supposed to do that individually? I, I can't. It's, it's, it's impossible. The task is too big. Well, let me, let me say two things you can do, okay? You can do what you can do, and you can start where you are. You can do what you can do, and you can start where you are. There are things you and I can do. I, I, I cannot individually reach all the people of this world, and neither can you. But there are things I can do. I, I can pray. There, there are resources available to help me know how to pray for people in other parts of the world. I can make myself available to those resources that help me to know how to pray for Christians, to, to learn about Christians who are being persecuted in other parts of the world. I, I can participate when we have missions conferences and, and learn about what God's doing in other places, and, and, and I, can, I can pray for those. I, I can pray. I can do that, but I have to make myself available. I have to show some initiative to want to get the resources and to actually do it. I can do what I can do, and one of the things I can do is pray. And I can give, not only to the ministries of the church, but to our world mission offering. I can give so that, that ministry can take place around the world. I can, I can give. I, can, I can't do everything, but I can do, I can do what I can do, and I can pray, and, and I can give. I can learn. I can read and study, and I, I can learn some stuff that helps me understand this world better and, and know the, the situations that exist in different parts of the world so I can be praying more effectively for those people and those needs. And you know what? My church, my church has partnerships in different places in the world, and, and I can go on some trips and encourage some people and talk to some people about Jesus in those different places. I can actually go on a trip, and I can go to somewhere else in this world. I, I can't reach the whole world by myself, but there are some things I can do. I can go on a mission trip. Are you doing what you can do. See, sometimes we, we look at this big old world and we say it's so big and there's so much and I can't do it that, that we forget to do what we can do. It, it becomes a, a, an excuse to not do what we know we can do. There was a, there was a couple hiking 
out west in the mountains, and they had this little bitty dog with them. He was on a leash, and a squirrel ran in front of them, and, 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 and their dog got away. And, and eventually they couldn't see him anymore, and he got so far in the woods chasing that squirrel, they couldn't even hear the little fellow. He was lost. He was gone. They, they hunted for him. They looked for him. Couldn't find him anywhere. They asked other hikers they saw, have you seen Charlie? That was his name, little, little, little bitty fella, you know, little, little, bitty, little bitty guy. Have you seen Charlie? Nobody's seen Charlie. Hours pass and make the way to the ranger station and, and uh, nobody had reported seeing Charlie and they're getting worried because there's coyotes in those hills and, and he's a little fella and he, he wouldn't stand a chance against those coyotes. And, and so they called their Bible study group back at the church and said, well, you pray for Charlie, we've got to find Charlie, pray for Charlie. And so they get that prayer chain going and actually two or three of the couples in their Bible study class showed up at the park to help them hunt for Charlie. Rangers took their vehicles and started going over all the roads of that park looking for Charlie. No Charlie. Even some guys with tattoos and earrings on motorcycles ran up and down the trails looking for Charlie. No Charlie. It's getting dark. They're really worried. And suddenly they get a phone call. Some campers found Charlie hiding under a car in the parking lot where they had originally parked that morning. But what really caught my attention was this young couple saying that all the people coming together and strangers helping them look for Charlie that day was the most profound community experience they'd ever had. I can't reach this world alone, and neither can you. I can do what I can do. And if each and every one of us in this room do what we can do, then together, guess what? We're going to do more. And if this church does what it can do and there are other churches that do what they can do, then together all of us are going to do a lot more if each one just does what we can do. But if I don't do what I can do and you don't do what you can do and we don't do what we can do and others don't do what they can do, then guess what? Not much gets done. Yes, Jesus gave this this great commission to take the gospel to the world, to all of us, to the people. But guess what? If individually I don't do and you don't do what we can do, then it doesn't happen. Because you and I individually, we are the church as we come together. And so do what you can do. One of the paragraphs in Vision 21 you looked at this morning in Sunday school talks about new churches. And, and, and the picture is that why not in three years we doing what we can do help plant three new churches? Why not we doing what we can do help relaunch one existing church that's ready to close the doors and relaunch it as a new church? Why not? If each individually and collectively we do in partnership what we can do. And then there's the second thing. Start where you are. Where you do life. Where you live. Where you work. Where you play. Where you go to school. That's your mission field. You don't leave that at the door. You're a disciple. 
Your disciple always. That's your mission field where you are. That is your mission field. God has you there at this moment in history because that's your field. You're his missionary, his ambassador, his fisher of men, his representative, his witness. We're all familiar with that passage and we looked at it a moment ago in Matthew 28, go and make disciples, etc., one that's not quoted as much, but still well known that says something similar in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 before Jesus went back to the Father in heaven. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest part of there. There's that big old globe again, but here it's broken down. It all starts where? Jerusalem is your place because he was in Jerusalem he was in his place, in the disciples' place when he was saying this, where you are, and then you branch out, and then you branch out, and then you branch out. But if you're going to do something over there, you have to start where you are in your Jerusalem. For us, it's here. It's our community. Start where we are. There's a great experience in the life of Jesus that illustrates this. and In Mark's Gospel, Jesus and his disciples had been spending a lot of time in Capernaum, which was up in Galilee on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. And they, they, it's Jewish territory, if you will. And they get into a boat and cross that sea, cross that lake, and end up over in the Decapolis area on the eastern side of that lake. And, and, and that's mostly Gentile area. And, when, and, and it's a rocky area. When they get out of the boat, there's this guy who meets who meets them, who meets Jesus, and, and he's crazy. He's possessed by demons. He's not in his right mind. He lived out in a graveyard most of the time without any clothing, screaming night and day, just crazy, demon-possessed. And at times, the local people put him in chains, and those demons would give him a strength that was beyond just human strength, and he would break those chains. They couldn't even bind him. And so he's just running around naked, crazy, screaming all the time. Jesus gets out of the boat. And this crazy, demon-possessed guy runs up to Jesus. They have a conversation, and Jesus heals him. The demons come out. They're cast out. And the Bible says in Mark that... Um, these demons all entered into a herd of swine and about two, and this is a sad story for a guy with the last name Hog, 200 of them run over the... <laughs> run over the cliff and drown down in the sea. And there's this beautiful, beautiful picture that says this guy, this crazy demon-possessed guy, after Jesus healed him, he's sitting there clothed in his right mind. Isn't that beautiful? Do, do you understand when someone has a genuine, miraculous encounter with Jesus, it does change things. And people come and they see him and they're amazed. And then after a while, Jesus sends the crowds away, and Jesus and his disciples are getting into the boat, and, and they're getting ready to go back across the lake, back over to Capernaum, their home base. And let's pick the story up on, on the screen, Mark chapter 5. Let's go to the next slide here, verse 18. Jesus is getting in the boat, and this man that had been demon-possessed, notice this, he's, he's begging Jesus, can I, I want to go with you. Let me go with you. Let me get in the boat and go with you. You can understand why you would want to do that, right? 
I mean, he's having the best day of his life. I want to go with you. But in verse 19, Jesus said this. Didn't let him go. He said, I want you to go where, church? Go where? Go home to whom? To your people. And report to them, talk to them, tell them all the great things that God's done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Do you know what the guy did? Verse 20. He went away and he began to proclaim, talk about, tell in Decapolis. That's his home with his people. The great things Jesus had done for him. See, how, how, how do we reach the world? Yeah, doing what we can do in partnership with others, but doing what we can do starting where we are because your mission field is yours. And mine is mine. And Jesus says when we, when we become his follower, his disciple, when we're saved, go home. You know, that, that place where you do life with, with your people. Now, he's not talking just about your relatives, but the people who are part of your life, where you do life, where, where you do life at school, where you do life at work, where you do life in the ball games, where you do life, your people, your people. Go to your home, to your people, and, and, and let them know what Jesus is doing in your life and what he can do in their life. That's your Jerusalem. And that, that, that my brothers and sisters, is what Vision 21 is all about. Back in the 90s, one of the best-selling books on leadership was Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Really really practical book. But in that book, one of the things he talked about that others have written about since is what he called circles of concern and circles of influence. And the circle of concern is, is really huge and it's everything that is a concern to you, anything that... That, that bothers you, that frustrates you, that is important to you, that, that upsets you, any, anything you worry about, anything in life that occupies your mind at times. You're, you're worried about what's going on in other parts of the world. You're worried about what's going on in this country. You're worried about what's happening in business. You're whatever, anything that is a concern. But here's the thing. You probably don't have any influence over. You probably don't have any control over it. But it's, but it's a big circle of concern. Then he said within that circle of concern is a smaller circle, and it's your circle of influence. It's those things you care about that may be important to you, that may be frustrating you, but those, those are the areas that you do have some level of influence over. You, you do have some degree of control over that circle, the things in that circle. Now, they're part of the bigger circle, but they're different because you have some influence there. And here's what happens. If we're not careful, you and I get so preoccupied with that big circle of concern, the things that scare us, the things we don't like, the things we don't understand, the things that are way out there that we have no control over and no influence over, but we worry about those, we're preoccupied with those, we talk about those, we send emails back and forth about those. We get so preoccupied with that big old circle that the one that, that it pushes in, it pushes in, it pushes in on the circle of influence and makes it smaller, and we don't do much of anything, if anything, about that small circle where we actually have some influence and control. And that big one causes us just to give up and lose hope. 
But you see that small circle of influence? That's the place where you do life. And you can do something about that. You do have influence there. Now, you can't control the outcomes in other people's lives, but you have influence if you will be intentional about using it. And I want to encourage us, stop worrying about everything going on in this world that you can't change and focus on where God has you right now and do what you can by starting where you are as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. My family, my community. Two weeks ago, about 370 of you gave me prayer cards. Brought them to the altar, gave me prayer cards with at least one name, some more than one name on it of people you care about, you're worried about, who are lost. That is your circle of influence. Now, it's more than just that one or two names, but they are part of your circle of influence. Do what you can do where you are. You have a circle of influence. In Vision 21, the paragraph on our church talks about having members from every generation who are actively engaging the lost in their families, our community, and beyond. And that, that individually me, individually you, engage the lost beyond, yeah, doing what we can together. But individually, listen, individually doing what I can in my family You doing individually what you can in your family. Me doing individually what I can in this community where I live. You doing what you can individually in this community where you live and work and go to school. Your circle. And the feedback I'm getting is that a lot of people like the the sentence not only about baptism, Sunday school attendance, but about becoming more diverse ethnically and racially. You know how that's going to happen? Is if in your circle of influence... You do that. Church can't do that. I can do it in my circle. You can do it in your circle. And if each of us does it in our circle, guess what? In the big old circle of this church, wow, we start to see things change. But i got to deal with my circle, my mission field. That's where I'm supposed to fish. That's where I live. I can't pass that off on anybody else. Uh, I, I don't know what your, your circle, your family of influence looks like. It's, it's a little different for each of us. But you know what? The one thing we have in common, there's people in all of it. There was a guy, there's a guy named Scott McCauley. When he was in his early 20s, his parents divorced. And even, even though he was already out of the house, it was still painful. And he was discouraged. And the first... Thanksgiving after the divorce was approaching. And he was going to be alone. His family busted up. He's going to be alone. And he was really, he was down. He was sad. I mean, he was just depressed. Because, you know, Thanksgiving, it's not about gifts and all of that. It's, Thanksgiving's about, you know, family getting together and eating turkey and, and heart, heartburn and be, being together and, you know, and, 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 and being thankful and being together and family, right? And then what Thanksgiving is? And he wasn't going to have any of that. So he came up with this idea. He, uh, he put an ad in the local paper asking others who thought they were going to be alone for Thanksgiving to contact him and maybe they could get together and have Thanksgiving. That first year he had eight people at his house for Thanksgiving. 
He enjoyed it so much, he continued the tradition year after year after year after year. And uh, 30 years passed, and last year he had 80-some people for Thanksgiving. So I don't don't know, you know, in in, in Mark 5, Jesus said to that demoniac who had been healed, go home to your people, go home to your people, go home to your people and talk to them about me. I don't know who your people is, but you got people. Do what you can where you are. Can you imagine if everybody just in this one worship service here, if each of us did what we could where we are, what this service could look like in two or three years? Do what you can where you are. You have a circle. Do something. You have your people. You have your family. You have your home. You you have your mission field. God says do what you can where you are. Go home to your people and do something brothers and sisters that's what this is all about how is your Sunday school class going to grow by doing this how is your Sunday school class going to see someone come to faith and and, and part of vision 21 is every adult and every youth Sunday school class seen at least one person come to faith in Jesus and be baptized every year the church can't do that for your class only you can do that for your class as you do what you can where you are in your circle in your home with your people how do we how do we change this community I, I can't change the world but hey we can do our part and make a difference we we can we can we can have a much greater influence in this community because this is our circle this is our home this is our people here in rock hill in this area we, we can have a big impact here but each of us each of us each of us have to do what we can where we are starting now where we are will you do that